Hey, welcome, friends. You are listening to Blue Collar Money, Theories of Middle Class Investing, with your host, P.W. Gopal. Theories of Middle Class Investing. I'm your host, P.W. Gopal, and today uh, we're going to be hearing from a good friend of mine, an old friend, a mentor for almost 15 years uh, when I was in the music business, a singer, songwriter, entrepreneur, coach, consultant, Derek Webb is with us today, and I'm really excited for you uh, to hear from him. Uh, you're not going to hear me say much in this interview because there's no need for me to to say much. Um, Derek has an incredible mind. Um, he has an incredible heart, uh, has had an incredible track record of helping me. And so I just wanted to hear from him. I gave him some key questions to think about. And, and in this first episode, this is part one of two episodes where we're going to be able to sit down and hear from him uh, really living and breathing as what I call a versatilist, you know, someone that's good at a lot of things. Um, I think in the corporate world, the term is multi-hyphenate. Uh, Derek started, you know, when I started following him, it was in the mid-90s in a band called Cademan's Call. Um, years later, he started a solo career countless albums um tens of thousands of fans have followed him um throughout his music career his faith journey um his you know business endeavors he is um he's just an incredible person he is i mean for the 17 years i played music um he's one of two guys that um, went out of their way to help me. And he had absolutely no reason um, to help me. I was a nobody. Most of my, my career, I was a nobody. And, uh, and he st still treated me like a friend. And so I am uh, very loyal to him, very interested in what he has to say. He always challenges me, always pushes me. I think this uh, episode will be challenging to you. It's, it was just so interesting, uh, fascinating for me to hear, um, to be encouraged by his thoughts on, on failure, on, um, yeah, just connecting with his fans and, uh, and just the environment that he places himself in, um, to grow and to be challenged. And so I think if you're a small business owner, um, you know, you may think, well, I don't have anything in common with a songwriter. Um, I mean, Derek's pretty clear that he thinks of himself as a small business owner. And so I think he brings incredible value to the table and, um, and is certainly going to help our blue collar family, um, you know, help us construct a great financial narrative, you know, amidst the noise. Um, so without further ado, uh, check out our time with my friend Derek Webb. Fascinating. Wow. 
Yeah. Hey, can we, I want to back up a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, it's you now you have, you have control now you have the con. <laughs> no, I'm going to, I, I'm, I love, I love how you think and I love listening to you talk. You know, your, your process is always fascinating to me because I only catch, I mean, you know, from a distance, you only catch 40%. Right. You know, and I look into a little further, I might catch a little bit more, have yeah. a conversation, you might get a little bit more, but you know, having you unpack it for me um, is going to be fascinating. And then to right. let, you know, some of our friends kind of listen in, yep. it's going to be amazing. But can you, um, I'm, I'm going to do an intro. Yes, right. At the beginning of this, um, which I'll do, I'll do the intro later because I'll okay. kind of read off the bio and kind of thing. But can you, um, can you just tell people, you know, what, what you're involved in now? Yeah. Um, so I'm Derek Webb and I'm a musician, singer, songwriter. That's what I do um, mostly. And any other work I do typically spurs out of that. Um, but that's what I spend most of my time doing. I've been... I've done that job for a super long time. Um, I'm short, so I look young, but I've been doing this job for 25 years. Um, started in the early 90s, um, right out of high school um, in a, in a Texas-based band, Cademan's Call. Did that for about 10 years, and I've been about 15 years as a solo artist, blue-collar solo artist. Um, and in addition to that, I work with other artists. I do consulting with other artists. I have a little, I've got an online course where I teach musicians to make, make money and make art and called middle-class musician. And, um, I, I put some of my time into that. Um, I work with friends on various projects. I, I had a music startup that I founded and ran and then sold some years ago. It was called noise trade, uh, which helped artists give music away for in exchange for data, um, which is a model that I use in my, in my career, um, to, to move myself forward. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, my creative MO is that what I need and can't find I make. And that includes everything from, uh, marketing platforms to soundtrack to difficult seasons of life. If I can't find it and I need it, I make it. Hmm. And that's kind of typically been how I find my header creatively is like, I'm, and, and which I think makes me an entrepreneur because I, 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 I think that that's, you know, looking for the gaps in the market, looking for the, the opportunities. Like if I have, a, if there's a thing that I need and I can't find that there, that would provide value, add value to what I'm doing, then surely I'm a use case or, you know, for, for th there would be other people who would probably benefit from that same solution. So if I can, if I can come up with something that really works and then scale it out for people, then, um, then, you know, that, I, then I've already tested it and I've already Sure. confirmed in my own use of it, that it, that it works and is valuable. So that, that tends to be the, the instinct that I follow. And, um, but that's what I do. I mean, so mostly music, other things as well. Uh, now, when all, I, all blue collar. Yeah. When I, when I look at what you do and I try and kind of piece together, you know, the backstory normally, I, I mean, you know, I always find out later I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> what's, what are the, like, if you want to take us from the beginning, what are the things that you value the most that make you do the things that you're doing? Um, well, it's a good you, you have the skills to do a myriad things, but you, you're landing in, in okay. obviously music is, you know, music is, is what you, how you can add a lot of value to people. 
it's how you create, it's how you, you are who you are. Yeah. You okay. do all these other things for reasons. Yeah. I think the way that I'm, that I can answer that is to say that I, I've learned, I think everything though, from music and from my time working in music, I've learned almost everything else I know. And honestly, the thing that has helped me the most, there are really maybe two things that have helped me the most um, in terms of to try to answer your question. And one is that for the first half of my life, at least, um, I, I, music was the only thing I could do. So I didn't have any other skills and that really kept me focused. And so I have like, for instance, I have a lot of friends, a lot of friends in, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, a lot of musicians here. And I have a lot of friends who are much better than me at everything that I do uh, in my, in my job, creatively writing songs, sing, pr performing, producing, whatever. They're, they're way better at all that stuff than I am. And, but they've not managed to make a job out of it. And so the great secret is that it, it's not required that you are the most freakishly talented of all your friends to make a living at this. And I think this would probably be true of, of any, uh, kind of niche profession, which I would consider uh, maybe not anymore as much, but, you know, uh, making a living as a musician is not, um, it's probably pretty far down on the list and um, of things that generally the people do. And the, so you don't have to be amazing at it. You just have to be tenacious and you just have to be adaptable and you, and, but it's, it's, it's work you can actually do. If, if, if you're looking to get either rich and or famous, there are 49 things above a career in music on that list that you should try first because the high likelihood is that you're going to get neither in this work it's 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 good blue collar work it's it's hard work um and like any job you have to spend most of your time not doing your favorite thing in order to subsidize the little bit of time that you get to do your favorite thing which is to write and, and perform songs or whatever you you mostly have to learn how to do every other part of the job you have to learn and so you have to learn how to do things you really don't like doing. You have to learn how to budget and how to market and how to, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and how to, you know, route tours and have to, I mean, there's just a lot of logistical administrative type work you have to learn. Um, and, but, but if you're willing to do the work and work hard at it and you're not breaking rule number one, which is be great. Um, or you could also say be resonant, um, provide a voice or a soundtrack for it for people who are like you and don't doubt for a second that there are a lot of people like you um, who need soundtrack that maybe only you can uniquely provide because of the peculiar way that you see the world and your personality mm -hmm. and collective experiences. Only you can provide soundtrack for certain people because you're the only one who, who sees the world as, as close as the way they do um, as anybody else. And so we need everybody's voices. We need all the soundtrack everybody can provide. And there really is an audience for everybody, um, especially on this side of kind of the whole disruption that happened in our business a handful of years ago with um, when, it, when all the content went digital and it just turned everything upside down. Um, there really is an audience for everybody. But, but that's kind of the good news is you don't have to be the best of all, the most talented of all your friends. You just have to work really hard. And, you, and, you, uh, and so, but the fact that I was, from when I was really young, I was really bad at everything. And uh, I was awful at all the things being measured for the first half of my life. So that's like things like academics, uh, sports, um, social, uh, name all the things that we measure kids, you know, where we're, we're trying to figure out how they're doing. 
I was terrible at all the things that were being measured. Um, and I really have, I still am. And I have, I have always been. So, um, I was looking for like, what is my thing? Because I was watching my friends like do well on the soccer field or, you know, uh, make all A's or, you know, uh, get a girlfriend or whatever it was that they were all managing to do that I wasn't managing to do. And I was like, well, what's my thing though? Like I, I'm not good at anything. And then luckily really young, single digits, seven, six, seven, eight years old, I found a guitar in my mom's closet and tuned it up to a chord because I didn't know how to tune it and started. And it just made sense to me it, and I loved it. And I found music and realized I was, I was good at that. That was something that came pretty easy for me. I really enjoyed it. The more time I put into it, the, the more I got out of it. And I was like, oh, okay, so this, this could be my thing. And because I had nothing else, I was just singularly focused on it. And so it kept me out of trouble all through school. Like I remember in high school um, when a lot of my friends, I played in bands from when I was really young, um, when I was like probably, you know, in elementary school, just about, I was like trying to get bands going and I was in bands all through high school. And when all my other friends were starting to get into alcohol and drugs and whatever they were all doing and, you know, making terrible decisions that you make when you're in high school, I wasn't doing any of that because I would try it. And if it made, if it, if it was a, an anchor and a, deter, a deterrent to my music moving forward and me getting better at that, then it was out. It didn't matter what it was. Mm. I was so protective of it. Cause I was like, this is my thing. This is my shot. It's my chance. This is my thing that I've got that I'm going to, that I, I have to steward, you know, and, um, and I can make whatever I want out of it, but I can also just squander it. And so I remember like the first time, it's a stupid story, it's not long, but like the first time that this band I was in, we were playing at some party and somebody gave me like a wine cooler, just a hangover in a bottle somebody gave to me. And I drank it, you know, really fast because they're really sweet right before we played. And then I got up to play and I just couldn't play very well. I just didn't play well. And I was like, well, that sucks. And I don't, so I'm never doing that again. And I literally didn't drop, drink another drop of alcohol until I was 21 years old. I mean, I just didn't, it just, it, it didn't interest me. Cause I, and it's not because I was like a good moral kid. Cause I wasn't, um, not even a little bit. I was a real discipline case when I was a kid, but it was all in the service of pursuing this one thing that I had found, which was the one thing I was good at. And I think the fact that music has been the only one thing I, I re, that I thought I could do, it kept me, it was just like music or bust. I mean, I was just determined to make it work and I was determined to figure it out. And it just, all of my energy went into figuring it out and putting myself in some position where I could do it because I knew if I couldn't figure it out, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I uh, barely got out of high school, didn't even think about going to college. And I just, I, I've had no other skills. Now, there was a point maybe 10 years ago, um, at least 10 years ago, uh, maybe more than that, um, where I suddenly realized, oh, I can do other things now. I have a whole bunch of other skills now. Now I've learned them over years of making my living in music and, and I've, you know, learning how to be adaptable at that and, and all the new skills you have to learn. And, oh, I actually know a whole lot of other things I didn't realize I, I could do, but I'm glad that I didn't realize that until really later because, um, cause I think back to my original point, all my friends in this town who are so talented, way more talented than me at music stuff, but they're really good at other stuff. And so the moments where it got really hard and it will, and the temptation is to give up and just go do something else because I can't make this work. That's what they did. And that was the right move. It was smart. That's what they, they, they made the hard right choice to do that. And I would have done that if there had been anything else and there wasn't. So I had to stick it out. 
And that most of my friends who are who have careers like mine where they're still doing it and they've done it for a long time, they're, they have similar stories to me. They're just like, we're just like the only ones still here try, doing it because this is just the only thing. We just didn't have any other choices. Like I'm not good at anything else. And my friends who are super good at other things, they wound up kind of taking off ramps here and there and figuring out and making carving out a life for themselves and figuring out the thing that they are actually super awesome at and really enjoy and found opportunity for. And that's kind of the the calling language is like the thing that you enjoy and you're good at and you have opportunity to do. You have to have all three. You might be really good at something you really enjoy, but have no, no opportunity and so on and so forth. And they found that for themselves and it wasn't music. And it's a bummer because they're amazing and way better than me, as I said. But for me, this is as far as I got and I'm still here <laughs> and I can't do anything else. And so I think that has been a major thing I have really valued. And that has been a major thing I'm grateful for. And the other, and I'll, I'll won't say anything hardly about it because I'm monologuing is um, failure. Everything I have learned in my professional life and my personal life, every insight, every bit of wisdom I have and every principle or every guiding, you know, whatever thing that I have is all I've learned all of it from failure. And so, and I, there was also a point where I realized how valuable failure was. And, and cause you spend most of your life trying to avoid it and trying to and keep from it or pretend it didn't happen or whatever. And just, you're just leaning towards all every success you can get. And I realized I don't learn anything from success other than the expectation of heaping more success on. But when you fail, like you pump the brakes, you pull the car over, you, you stop and you like analyze and you say, what happened back there? And you learn. And so for me, again, it's kind of that entrepreneurial mindset where it's like, oh, I failed. What happened? Okay, let me learn. Let me iterate. Let me try again. Let me fail. Okay, let me learn, iterate, try again, fail, but in a different way. And by round four, round five, round six, you're not failing anymore, or you're or you're failing at different things. But you can, but you you've got it figured out, and you you start to figure things out, and you learn everything from failure. And so once I started figuring that out, it was like, oh, like I'm in the failure business. Like I don't need to feel bad about or lose energy or momentum when I fail, I need to be like, oh yes, great. So I, so I hit a, I hit a guardrail. What can I figure out? So that's not the path. The road doesn't go that way. That's a guardrail. You can't drive that way. Okay, great. What do I learn? Okay. Well, maybe it's like over here and I could try that and I get a little further. Fantastic. Bring that with me. Oh, I had another one over there. Okay. Well, that's not right then. Okay. Let me, and you, and you work your way down the road and, and that's kind of how it works. And so now I'm like, I can't, I love when, when I, when I fail at something, cause I'm like, great, what am I going to learn? Every, every, uh, every major milestone and major step that I've taken in my career was preceded by a moment where I thought my career was over literally every single one. And I could take you through and tell you why at every point I was like, Oh, I think this is as far as I go. I, th I think my, my time, I'm just, it's expired. I think I'm done. And, but th that, looming failure and, and, and present failure got me like, okay, but, but, what, but how could I, what could I do though? And, and okay, so this didn't work or is not going to work. So what could, and I start to work the problem and, and then I will discover something and then something will happen and it'll, it'll propel me a little further. And then eventually you, you run out of that momentum and you start to fail a little bit and then you learn the next thing. Uh, my, my, the patron model for me was a huge adaptation after a huge, moment of failure and uh, noise trade was a huge adaptation after a huge moment of failure. Um, so many things in my career, all the biggest things, all the best things in my career have been a direct result of failure. 
And so I love it. I value it. I don't feel bad about it anymore. I kind of look forward to it because I'm like, all right, you know, like, what are we, what's next? You know, what are we about to learn? What big corner are we about to turn? And so that's really it, you know. You don't feel that that's a unique mindset to be able to like construct a story out of what didn't work? I, I don't think it's unique. Um, Because I I guess I feel like I, I see other, I've seen a lot of other stories. um, And, and especially I think I've resonated, like I said, more in the second half of my life with entrepreneurs and with people like kind of problem professional problem solvers, people who because that's what an entrepreneur is, You, you go in and you identify a need, you you create a solution, and then you market and scale it. I mean, that's, that's it, basically. I've just done that for myself. I've just, I have created things that I've needed and, and I backed my way into entre- being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur because hmm. I didn't know that's what I was doing. And I often said like, you know, the month before Kickstarter launched, for instance, the month before Patreon launched, um, whatever the, the, the great platforms that have really helped people, uh, creators um, in the last, you know, 10 or some years, 10 or 20 years, the month before, coffee shops in Nashville were full of musicians and singer-songwriters saying to each other, man, you know, it'd be so cool. God, I wish there was like a like a way I could like pre-sell my record before I started on it in order to raise the money to make it. Like, why did I wish that existed? Why didn't why didn't somebody make that? They have these they have no idea, mostly because creatives are not wired. Typically, my experience has been that creatives are not super organized. They're, they don't realize that they're not great at business. That's why they have to hire huge teams to help them sustain their careers, you know, their creative endeavors. They don't realize the value of the ideas in their own heads. Mm-hmm. And, but they're creative and they're on the very front lines of it. And they are literally describing everything that we need to go forward. And so if you could just eavesdrop in a national coffee shop, you can probably get the next couple of million dollar ideas. I mean, it's just interesting how that works. Um, but, you know, so I feel like I've seen um, entrepreneurs do this and, and that you don't often see it on the macro, but you all, you see it a lot on the micro. So they'll say friends who are running businesses or even musician friends, absolutely. They'll, they'll come up some, against some frustration or some resistance and then they will, uh, they'll start to work their way around or, the, and they will, and they'll, and especially startups, especially friends who, I've got a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs in this town who are serial entrepreneurs. They literally, and I mean, I, I don't know what I am, but they are like literally entrepreneurs. That's what they do. They, they start companies, they scale companies. And I just watch them do it. And I mean, we have conversations about what they're working on. I mean, I, and I hear them, that's how they do it. That's, and, and um, so my young artist friends, that's always my, among my first encouragements is like, don't be, deterred and discouraged by failures, that means you're doing it. That means it's happening. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I had a, a really insanely talented friend who who's a working as a barista at a coffee shop. I used to go in there and work all the time and we would talk and catch up every so often. And he would say, man, I'm on like my third EP and I think it's really good. I don't understand. I mean, I, I think I'm just ready to give up because I've put out three things. I, pl- I, I work so hard at it and I do all the things I feel like you're supposed to do. And nobody's really paying attention and I'm not really making any, nothing's happening. And, and I'm just basically a, a barista and I'm like, all right, well, first of all, as a small business owner, which is what you are, and it's, it's, it's more than that. It's always more than that, but it's never not that you're a small business owner as a musician you are. 
If you don't see it that way, you're not going to make it because you have to learn how to run your business and you have to figure out that that's what you're doing. So you take it seriously. It's a job. And so first of all, way to go because you're in here working as a barista. You're subsidizing your ability to make no money at this for a while. And you're not going to make any money at it for a while because you don't have, nobody knows anything about what you're making. Nobody has discovered you yet. Nobody. And so you can't expect, even if you did have people paying attention, there's going to be, you know, 18 months of non-revenue transactions with you to build trust before you're going to be able to ask anybody for any money. And that's just how this works. And so you're, you're smart. You're, you're, you're working a side hustle in order to subsidize your dream. And so that's good. Don't feel like you failed. That's a great investment that you've made into your success. Now, second to that, I would invite you to consider that it's not that you have failed, tried and failed. You haven't even started yet because so you, you're telling me that you've recorded three EPs and, and then what are you doing all day? He's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm trying to make connections and I'm trying to like get people to pay attention. And I'm like following people on Instagram and I'm, I'm like, okay, well, none of that is the business. Like you're doing the thing that you hire an intern to do in year five. You're, that's the only thing you're doing now. Like, have you been collecting emails? Have you been playing? Have you been actually out? literally bringing the bringing the thing to people um getting out in front of other people getting out in front of any chance you can get to get in front of people and then anybody who resonates spend all night with them hear their whole story get their email address mm -hmm. you only need 1000 true fans to make a six-figure salary from music or any creative thing or anything um, you only need a thousand people who are willing to give you 100 dollars per year across multiple revenue streams that's all you need to make hundred thousand dollars a year at any job you need 1,000 true fans. Maybe you don't even need that much. Maybe you'll need 500 because um, you don't need to make $100,000 a year. Maybe it's not the only thing you do. It's not the only thing I do. I do a lot of different things. So I don't need to make, so I don't even need that many true fans. And so the, the thing is like, you know, it's, and, and you could learn 500 people's names. I mean, I know it, I'm not saying it'd be easy, but what I'm saying, it's not like I need all of Spotify to know about and pay attention to and value and you know, whatever. No, you don't. You actually don't. Almost every instinct you've got that you've learned from watching other artists and the pageantry that they're showing us or the the 1% of artists who are doing it on such a level that is the absolute exception, like have, they taught you all the wrong things. Like this is, you know, it's again, it's a middle class living. I mean, for me, it's the intimacy business. That's what this is. And you build it slowly. It's it's a it's a it's trust. I mean, you're providing soundtrack for people's emotional lives. They have to get to know you and trust you before they're gonna they're gonna uh, let what you're making occupy that space for them. It just takes time, and so you have to have the time first of all. Mm. So that's why it's smart to have a side hustle or not do it only. Do other things, but but do it and other things. I think that's smart. Um, I don't think it's smart to do music only. To, to, to do creative for your creative work to be the only thing and th to bear the full burden of your whole uh, income, I don't think is smart. I've done it every different way. And my favorite way is to do it and six other things and nothing full time. Um, and I could talk for an hour about that only. Um, but and so it, it's like but it's it's really true. It's like, you know, so so to my friends, I'm like, listen, you haven't tried and failed. You just haven't started. You haven't started yet. And so don't be discouraged, you know, and uh I think failure is so insanely important, but the point that I'm making to speak to your question about, you know, I think everybody can and does do this. Um, I think it's just a matter of figuring out how to do it. Um, like what I always tell my, my creative friends is like, you have to learn how to apply the same creativity that you use to write and record a record 
to the marketing promotion, you know, uh, you know, and distribution of that record. You have to get creative about the business parts of it and the other parts of it. And if you can manage to do that, you you will not only succeed, but you will take over the industry because, um, again, like my creative friends who have all these great ideas but don't have the wherewithal to know how to write them down or articulate or build a plan around them or scale them or whatever. Like if you could do it, if you could do that, you, you could actually build a little empire for yourself and you could, and you could provide tools to other people and you could help the rest of us. And, you know, but you have to learn how to apply that same creativity to everything else. And that seems to be the barrier for most creative people. Um, and it hasn't been for me cause I'm not wired quite, quite like that. So. You said a little bit ago, you use the term non-revenue transactions, hmm. which I, I want every startup. I want every person in a startup, small business, an entrepreneur, you know, whatever, anyone who's just wanting to, to move yeah. to hear, to hear that again and an explanation. Cause I, I didn't know you in Cademan's like I followed you. I like, we knew your yeah. music and, but I followed you, you know, since you've started um, playing solo, I'm 15 plus years. Yeah. But you, you are the guy that has to me, and this is my perception has always understood how to connect with your fans. I, I mean, it seems like it's a high value for you. Uh, and, and so when you say connect, when I think connection and you say non-revenue transactions, that makes sense to me. Yeah. You put a ton of time into going and getting um, like building a place for people to come who already get you, who want yeah. to get you. Yeah. Can you, can you speak a little bit more about the connection piece? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. And so like, to me, that's like when you, and again, it, to me, it all comes down to, I'm looking through, through the grid of being a small business owner at all this, because the, the, these principles apply no matter what business you're in, especially in the very early stages, first handful of years. Um, when you first come out with a thing, be that a single or, you know, a taco that's apparently like no taco anyone's ever had before or whatever it is that you're making, um, no one's going to trust you at first and no one's going to know who you are. And so you have to create ways for people to transact with you and connect with you in a meaningful way. And to me, that means not just, you know, handing someone a taco with a blindfold on, like you have to, um, like let, let the, let the, the, the quality of what you're making speak for itself and let that be your calling card, but then give people total access to it in a way that you both benefit. And so, um, but that's not money. It's going to be a while before any, you're going to ask anybody for any money. But by the time you do, if you've done it right, they'll give you all the money that you need and more because the people you're going to ask for money are going to be the ones who most deeply love and resonate with what you've made. And it's going to take a while to find those people. And you don't want to ask everybody to do that. You only want to ask a small group of people to do that. And so for me, I've used Patreon as my kind of what I'll call the, 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 very sharp bottom end of the funnel um, where I'm trying to get people on a journey. If they want to come with me, if they're interested, that's the end of the rainbow is my Patreon is like, that's where I'm trying to get people. And if, and if, if you, those, and that's only, it's only four or 500 people. I mean, out of, uh, you know, 7 billion people, it's only about 500. And, but they are the people who most deeply value and resonate with what I make and therefore are in the best position to most likely want to support me and keep help, help me make it and help me keep going and, and want things that other people would think were nuts and crazy. Like for instance, 
watching me hour by hour write an album in real time. Like who has the time for that? Who wants to do that? Nobody, like nobody. But in the, in the, in the transcript of this conversation, that last nobody, which was in all caps, had a little asterisk after it. And the little asterisk goes down to a footnote and it says, except for your super fans, except for that tiny 2% to 10% of all the people um, who you interact with who, who do want to actually sit and watch you for 14 hours write four songs. They do. And it's crazy, but they do. And I am that fan of certain people and of hardly anybody, but of certain people. And if you think about it, you know, everybody has this. And that's why I think the future of every business, every business, and especially creative businesses like music is super fans. Um, that is, that is the, and so you only have to deeply engage and monetarily transact with a small group of people though, um, in order to make a great living at it. Again, 1000 true fans um, for people who, who are not familiar. You've been listening to blue collar money theories of middle-class investing with your host, PW Gopal. If you would like to reach out to PW directly, you can reach him at his website at pwgopal.com or at thebluecollarmoney.com. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming content. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you soon.